This is not the sound of a stream running through the mountains. It's water from a leaking pipe trickling down a stairway. That's not a frog splashing into a lake. It's a piece of sheetrock falling into a puddle on a kitchen floor. And that's not a hiker taking a deep breath of mountain air. It's a homeowner gasping at the sight of a $12,000 water damage repair bill. 40% of homeowners have experienced water damage. Protect your home with the Moen Smart Water Monitor and Shutoff. Moen. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hello, and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Gardening's good for everyone, and there's increasing scientific evidence to support this. However, some of that which makes it beneficial, the exercise from digging, the muscle strengthening from raking or weeding, are also some of the reasons it can be very difficult for those with physical disabilities or differences to take part. Hello, I'm Miranda, And today I'm chatting to Mark Lane, TV and radio broadcaster, writer, award-winning garden designer and the first BBC Morning Live and BBC Gardener's World presenter in a wheelchair. We'll hear how he overcame a life-changing accident and found ways to not only make gardening possible again, but also how it helped him to improve his mental and physical well-being. How did you get into gardening? I think like so many other gardeners, really, through my grandparents. Uh, my grand, my grandparents on my uh, father's side had a large garden and my granddad used to teach me how to sow seeds, how to tie in plants, how to plant, how to grow plants on, how to care for the soil. He had a sort of, he loved his veggie patch. So he had a veggie patch right at the end of his garden. And then my grandmother, uh, she was a flower arranger. So she taught me about the use of colour, texture and form and how to put them all together. Um, and that just stuck with me, I suppose. And then on my uh, mother's side, uh, they had all their, the garden was completely roses. 
Um, and as kids, we used to have to go out there and sort of pick up all of the, the leaves with black spot and all this sort of stuff, on which we absolutely hated, but we had to do it. Um, and that was really it. And then uh, I, we grew up, I grew up in Hove, just outside of Brighton, in an apartment, and there was a, 10 apartments, and we had these sort of communal gardens. And it was just primarily large sort of shrub borders and lawn. But there used to be these sort of circular beds, which used to have just a single rose in the centre. And I just said to my mother, must have been probably, I don't know, six or seven, something like this. And I said to my mum one day, I said, can we go down and maybe sow something? And she said, yeah, I'm sure we can. So we almost went down sort of, you know, the, in, the, in the midst of the darkness and so no one else would see us um, and planted some seeds. And, you know, up things popped and it was lovely. And then, of course... The other people in the apartment started to see that we had done that, and then they started to do similar things as well in the community in the communal garden. So, I mean, we're talking sort of way back in the 1970s here. So it was sort of really, really lovely to just think that this sort of community garden was already starting way back then. And I think it was more, it was just an excuse really for all of us to get outside and just have a natter with each other over a cup of tea. And uh, it was a lovely way of bringing the 10 apartments together. Um, and yeah, that was really my introduction to gardening, I suppose. And I loved, I always loved wildlife and I always loved nature. And because we overlooked the South Downs, we used to always go, you know, for walks, walking the dogs and things across the South Downs. And I was a very keen artist. So I used to always paint sort of uh, landscapes and um, wildlife. So even back then, there was always this sort of, I suppose, this innate need to be around nature. Oh, it's lovely. And you're still inspiring so many people into gardening. Was that part of the magic for you? Do you, th- <laughs> do you think when, when people sort of started doing what you were doing as well, that, that that was quite addictive? Was it something? It was, yeah, very, very addictive. It's, I think it's um, when I sort of changed career and went into uh, landscape design, it was suddenly as if my, my world had opened up. And uh, I I love everything I do. I just love every single minute, every single minute of the day. And I think what's so lovely is the fact that everybody in the horticultural industry are so lovely, and they're all they all want to impart their knowledge. And yes, of course, there's competition, you know. And we all are, you know, <laughs> as gardeners, we we like to compete with other gardeners as well. Um, but we at the same time like to share plants. We like to share our experiences. And I think that's what gardening does. It brings us all together in such a lovely way. Um, and Mark, how would your life be different if you didn't garden? I think it would be really empty. I think it's the best way of describing it. Um, I, as I said, I need that connection with nature and with my garden. And I suppose... What I love the most is I love observing the seasons and I love the way, you know, seeing what what happens throughout each season, what comes up, the changes within the garden. And I just love that whole process of nurturing plants, caring for them, seeing them grow, uh, you know, growing them on, watering them, feeding them. Um, at the moment, I've got a fascination with uh, plant roots. So I keep digging plants up, just to have a look and see what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it would. I think it would be very, very empty. And of course, I wouldn't be a garden designer or a TV or radio broadcaster without it. So, um, you know, it's, it's strange, actually, I suppose. It's... Um, yeah, I th- that that sort of you know that outside space, you know, just outside the windows, is my haven, 
and uh, being able to garden and to go out there and just enjoy myself, I think is a wonderful pastime. And I just want to dig a little bit, you know, you say it'd be empty without, you know, what, what is that hole? I mean, is that sort of purpose? Is that comfort? What, what is that hole? I think it, I think it's more of a, a stress reliever and a relaxer, actually. Um, I think there's, I, mean, I used to be, uh, when I was in my teens, I used to do yoga a lot. And uh, obviously, since my accident, I, ha- I, I can do a form of, but I can't really do it. And meditation can help some way. But I find that just being in the garden and just sort of either gardening or just sitting out there, for me, you know, the worries of the day just disappear. Um, the stresses from work, disappear, although there aren't many, sort of disappear. I suppose it just, it just fills a sense of well-being within me, um, which I think if it wasn't there, I wouldn't have. No, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of us can feel that there is that hole, maybe, and we're not quite sure what it is, yeah. but we know that it's filled. Exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> we can feel that joy. So I was just intrigued because I think, as you mentioned, there's so many different elements that you benefit from gardening through through doing it. And um, can I ask you, Mark, can you tell us a little bit about what led up to you needing to use a wheelchair for mobility? Yeah, so, so I was in a car crash, uh, which wasn't my fault, and I was... Um, uh, rear-ended by one vehicle and pushed into another vehicle um, and uh, then obviously went to hospital and had to have surgery and then being born with spina bifida just meant that my spine couldn't be really put back the way it should be and it just meant sort of loss in loss of feeling in the legs and uh, I'm still able to twist my body, which is which is great. I've still got that ability to twist twist my torso, still be able to bend forward. Um, but yeah, it just meant that uh, life changed. But for me, I mean, it's strange actually. I've talked to many people who have gone through a similar experience, and um, we all say that in a way it's improved our life. And I think um, for me, if you can see that, if you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you can see that actually, you know, their life can continue and you can carry on and do things that actually it can give you strength and real determination. And that's what it did for me. I mean, it's it, it, it's really it's really inspiring to hear that. And I think it's it's a real physical example. You know, I, I think these things happen that change our lives forever. And I think it it can seem more dark than light. And I think actually you've found something that's made it so so much more you know and and it sounds like it was it was almost overnight then I, I appreciate you you had issues with the spina bifida but it, it was very very much a change you use a wheelchair for mobility yeah, and, and is that the mobility issue is is with your legs correct just to, yeah, just to clarify yeah that's exactly it um and uh you know, I'm fortunate. I've got, you know, three different types of wheelchairs so I can go across sand, snow, um, soil, or whatever I can. Um, and, uh, yeah, my, the wheels are now my legs. Um, and people sometimes sort of think of it in a strange way. But, you know, y- y- uh, for me, uh, being able to still get outside and garden and still be able to do stuff from the wheelchair also, you know, don't get me wrong, I also hop out of the wheelchair and I sort of garden on my bottom as well. Um, you know, it 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 still means that I've got, you're right, it means I've got a purpose. I've still got this purpose that I can actually do it. And uh, yeah, it just for me, it's just, as I said, it's enriched my life, actually. It's, in, it's a very strange thing to say. 
No, and I think a lot of us relate to that in so many different ways. You know, I, I think w- with physical things like that, it's it's more visible. But I think there's a lot of people that come across challenges. And what would you say to someone who's who's come across something and they've lost a lot of motivation? I mean, what would you suggest? Yes, I mean, I mean, it's very tricky. I mean, uh, obviously, your your mind, like minded, went to some very dark places. And uh, you sort of do feel a bit sort of doom and gloom and you think that there's nothing that can happen and how on earth is life going to continue. But um, I think just with the support of friends and family and from my own point of view, just that sheer Mm. determinism um, (laughs) to actually go and do something. I mean, I was, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, when I was in bed, uh, you know, it was my partner, Jason, who actually said, come on, let's get out into the garden. Let's, you know, you'll feel so much better. And initially, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to do that, because all I could think about was my pain. Uh, I could, all I could think about was my lethargy and all this sort of thing. And uh, one day, we just did, we went outside, and it was 10 minutes of miraculous um, intervention, really, because uh, my breathing had slowed down, my shoulders had dropped, I'd forgotten about my pain for those 10 minutes, and I was focused on the plants and the sunshine. Gosh, so literally a very physical difference, you know, really. Real physical difference, yeah. It was incredible. It's it's wonderful, and I think a lot of people who garden listening to it, (laughs) (laughs) they don't need to be convinced by this, do they? I think we we, we all feel that, being outside and being with nature and gardening, what it offers us. So it's it's really lovely to hear that. And um, how did the way you garden change after the accident? Was it a difficult transition? Uh, it wasn't really no. It wasn't really a difficult transition. Um, I know that might sound a little bit strange, but I I think because of because of me being able to sort of think outside the box quite a bit um, and sort of assessing of what I can and can't do physically, uh, it still meant that I could still garden. And I'm a great believer that um, no matter what level of ability you have, um, there's always a gardening job that you can do. And, you know, of course, I can't stand and push a fork in the ground, but I can get on my bottom and I've got sort of long-handled tools and I even use my hands to dig holes. Um, So there's always ways around it. Um, And uh, I think sometimes sort of that biggest transition sort of really came down to me not being able to, I suppose, yeah, the, the most difficult thing I found was not being able to carry something and will myself at the same time. And uh, that was, I think, one of the, the, the most awkward things I found because before, you know, I would, I would be actively gardening, I would be carrying bags of soil around, I'd be doing whatever. And that was the one big thing because obviously my hands were taken up by the wheelchair. So um, that's one reason why, and I think we, we saw it on The Gardener's World recently, I've got my little garden caddy with all my tools in. Um, and again, you see, it's just thinking about, you know, how can I make, how could I make my life easier um, so that I could still enjoy gardening? And that's what was so important for me. And I would just say that if people just persist with it, just try it sort of slowly each day, do a little bit each day as well, um, and take your time and don't rush at it. 
um, then really you can you can easily transition and still either continue to garden or start gardening because many people after an experience like mine may never have gardened before but suddenly you've realized that actually through gardening they can improve their physical and their mental well-being so um you know i would just say have be consistent and be persistent is the best way of putting it and just have a go I, I think it sounds very much, you know, you're obviously a very creative person. And I think it's finding those solutions, you know, and I think that can be very hard. Yes, and I can't can. even Im- imagine the situation, but, you know, not feeling set back when the very standard use or the standard equipment available doesn't work, doesn't fit. Very true. I mean, that's very true. I mean, when I say sort of assess what you can do, what I mean by that is, you know, you sort of, you literally have to think about when you're sort of inside, how far can you reach? How far can you twist your body? Can you you twist your wrist? Can you, you know, if you, even if you're more ambulant, can you lift your foot up all the way or does one leg drag or whatever it might be? And really think about what, what it is you can't do. And then think to yourself, well, okay, I can't do those things, but is there a way that I can, either through the use of a tool or through some bit of equipment, I can try and still be able to do things? So, for example, you know, the the problem with the heavy bags are very simple and it didn't cost much. It was only sort of like £150 is like a scissor action lift. And, I mean, it's like like a bit like a hostess trolley. And you just literally put the bag of soil on it, press a button and up it comes. Um, So, you know, it's just sometimes a lot of research on the internet um, is really helpful as well. I think, you know, don't get me wrong, I think manufacturers of tools still have a long way to go. And I think that they still need to introduce more tools that are accessible to all. And um, I think that if people start seeing tools like that being introduced into the market more and they see them more in garden centres and nurseries, that they will then think, actually, you know what, I can do that. I can I can give it a go. And, you know, maybe things like the TV, my little clip that I did on Gardeners World, will just show people that there are some tools out there and, you know, you can, you can still go out and clip your hedges or prune your roses or whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and... Uh, yeah, there's. I think you can easily transition across. I think you can. I think it's the physical nature of gardening that may put people off. You know, it really is something that you know it is physical, isn't it? You can't deny it's 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 a physical activity. It is. Uh, what, is there any equipment you found maybe inside the house or anything not for gardening that actually was quite useful? Yes, to use? I've, I've got one of those. The only best way to describe it is like a litter picker. You know those things that you see the people walk around when they pick things up with. I use those inside the house because I use it in case I drop something. But in the garden, it's really, really invaluable. I mean, because again, I think I showed it in the clip. I use it to hold plants and then drop them into holes that I've dug with long handled tools, um, and then use that uh, same tool for filling um raking the soil back up around the plant and then tapping down around the plant um and then of course i use it to pull branches and stems towards me so i can prune with them um 
Also, things like uh, silicon handles. So the silicon handles that you can buy for frying pans, for example, just to help with grip, are brilliant because you can attach those to sort of hand trails with great ease and they give you that extra grip. Um, so sometimes it's just, and also things like anti-slip matting that you can buy for the kitchen, um, or even, you know, for your PC or whatever it might be, you know, you can use that in the garden. If you've got a, if you, if you're working at a table and you don't want all your stuff to continue to keep rolling off, you know, use an anti-slip mat. Um, it's very, very cheap, you know, maybe, I don't know, a couple of quid. Um, you can roll it up. There's not much space. And then you can just put it away again and then bring it out when you need it. It's fantastic. I love the creativity of, <laughs> you know, we're waiting, we want more supplies to be making more tools, but in the meantime, you know, <laughs> and we're gardeners. Str- exactly. And in a, in a strange way, actually, it, a, lot of, a lot of them are kitchen um, apl- ah. kitchen, kitchen equipment. Um, so it's those sort of adaptations, I suppose, which have already come through in the kitchen field, um, which you can slightly use and adapt for the garden. So, yeah, there are, I mean, you know, you know there's brilliant things like, you know, really good, um, easy grip scissors that you can use in the kitchen. Why not use them in the garden? You know, you can, they will still cut through your roses. They will still cut through, you know, deadhead your plants. Um, so, you know, use them. Why not? You don't have to always use garden shears. There are some manufacturers out there which, you know, if you can't twist your wrist, for example, there are some wonderful tools out there which sort of almost look like a, you know, when you're on crutches where you have that sort of bit that goes around your arm, it attaches around your arm and then your hand is held in a, in a, in a solid position so that you can just sort of move, do this sort of movement rather than doing the twisting movement. And it's a great way. You can still sort of dig with it. You can still sort of trowel with it. You can fork with it. You can do whatever. Um, so there are there are some tools out there, but I just I do think the manufacturers have a little bit more to do that they could offer really come on we're waiting (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) any other advice for those trying to garden who have desired to garden but just find it too daunting is there anything else you've talked about movement you've talked about tools anything else you could suggest yes i think one of the things that i really learned when i was going through rehabilitation uh, i had a little bit of uh social and uh, therapeutic horticulture when i was in stanmore royal national orthopedic hospital uh, and that's about pacing your activities. And it's re- it's about sort of really sort of setting realistic goals. So rather than sort of just saying, right, I'm going to go off and go into the garden and do absolutely everything I possibly can, um, sort of break down what it is that you want to do and make a list about it. And then when you actually go out and do a particular job, then... I use uh, my phone, but you can easily use a very cheap egg timer or something like that. Set it to a desired length of time. For me, it's about sort of 15 to 20 minutes of physical activity. And then the alarm would go off and then I would stop and have a 10 minute break. And then I would go back and do another 20 minutes and then have another 10 minute break. And surprisingly, by doing that, you actually get more done um, because you're not tiring so quickly. So it's a very simple tool to use. And I would say that anybody who's who finds themselves in a position where maybe, you know, they're, let's face it, we, you know, we're all getting older. And unfortunately, with age come many, many different conditions. If you've got a physical disability or mental disability, you know, just do that. Break, break, break your garden jobs down into chunks. 
and then pace your activities. And you'll be really surprised at how much you can do. And then, you know, don't worry if you don't get everything done because, you know, the garden's not going anywhere. Um, you can always go out on another day and do it on another day. So it's trying to be a little bit more optimistic as well as being pessimistic when you haven't got everything done. Um, so I would say those are those are probably one thing. I'd say also if you uh, enjoy or if you need to sit down when you garden, then um, don't worry about it. You know, you can still do things from a seated position, whether that's in a chair or in a wheelchair. Um, and you by just by using long-handled tools, you can easily do most things that anybody else would be able to do. Um, people always say to me, and I can't remember if we actually showed this on the clip, actually, how do you sow seeds if you're, you know, if you're from a long way down? And I've just got a length of tube, and that length of tube, I just drop the seeds down and then the seeds go down into the hole and then I just cover it up with a long-handled tool. Um, and you can do that from a standing position or seated position. And it's very, very simple, but it works. Um, uh, I think also, I mean, for me, uh, as I said, I can get out of my chair and I do sometimes garden on my bottom. I would probably say one of the most important things is to get the right clothing. The right clothing is really, really important from two points of view. One, that, one is to protect your own body, and you want to protect it, obviously, from cold and wet and also from rubbing and chafing. But at the same time, you also need to cover your skin and protect yourself from the sun. So, you know, there are two, there is two reasons, really, two main reasons for that. And it's very, very important, and that's, that's from whether it's from shoes to trousers to tops, even to a hat, you know, just find the right clothing that suits you. And I know that for some people, clothing can be very, very difficult. People don't like to wear particular things. But uh, again, just do a little bit of hunting online and you will eventually find stuff. I actually find for me, because I have trouble uh, regulating my core body temperature, um, I use what um, cyclists and lots of people who um, work out use these the sort of the fabrics that do wicking, so they sort of take all that moisture and coldness off your body. Off your body, so I wear that as a base layer um, under all my clothing, and it just means then that I can regulate my body a little bit more when I'm actually being physically more active. Um, so that helps as well. Um, I would say uh, when you know before you go out there, you know. Get all of your tools together that you're going to need for that for that for that day or that afternoon or morning, whatever it is you're going to be doing. Um, you know, if you've got a little caddy like I've got, absolutely ideal. And I know everybody keeps asking me, where did I get that caddy from? You know, I just got it from online. I just did a search online and found it. Um, but you can you can you can use a simple box. You know, a simple box will work just as well. You can put it on your lap as you go around and just have your tools in it. And just having that to hand. Also, another great tip that um, one of the uh, occupational um, horticultural therapists said to me was, buy, get yourself lots of different tables, foldable tables of different heights. So the sorts of things you, you normally use for like camping, and camping equipment is brilliant for this um, because they're lightweight, they're easily stored away. Um, and the idea with that is, is that you can then sort of position the tables around you as you're working with all different heights going on so that you've, you know, taller things can be on a lower table, shorter things on a, on a higher table. And it's just about making, it's about what I said right at the beginning, which is about making gardening easier for you so that you can just still go out there and continue to do it. And um, 
as I say, you just have to, you, you have to just sort of sit back a little bit and just think about what it is that you're going to be doing and then plan, 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 really. But, you know, don't go mad about it. You know, you still want to have fun out there and you still want to enjoy yourself. Um, and of course, you know, like me, you know, if you're out there, you'll probably notice things that you never had on your list that you still need to do. Um, and if you feel you can do them within your allotted sort of pacing period of time, then do them. Uh, but if not, do them in the next period of time. You know, I'm I'm awful. You know, I'm terrible as well because I will overdo things. Um, and my body will tell me, you know, for a day or two afterwards, I you know, I won't be able to do much. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we all push ourselves. And I think sometimes, you know, whether you're able-bodied or not, you know, actually pacing your activities is actually a very good thing to do. It's something everybody everybody should be doing. Yeah. Um, do you get the same benefits now as you did after the accident from gardening, or has it changed what you get? Um, I would say that now, for me, uh, I I probably get more of a physical workout from gardening than I did before. And that's, of course, brilliant for me. And my upper body strength has increased considerably. And that's helpful because, obviously, being able to wheel myself around as well. Um, so it, it, it's really helped with regards to that. I would say also that it's really helped with regards to just dexterity, general dexterity. So my um, dexterity would sort of initially... Uh, after the accident, sort of my nerves were all shot and sort of my whole body went into sort of overdrive. So the sort of slightest touch would really sort of irritate me and I sort of feel like someone sort of plugged me into an electric socket. And I still get that to a little bit. But um, it's just uh, being able to sort of work through that, I suppose, and being able to just um, uh, sort of think to myself, well, I know that by doing gardening, it's actually going to help me physically. And that's then helps from a mental point of view as well, because you know then that you're actually improving your well-being by keeping physically active. And uh, as you know from all the research, you know we just we we need uh, that connection with greenery. And um, I think again for me, being able to just go and sit outside, um, as I say, to sort of just relieve some stresses really helps and I suppose I don't know I suppose gardening sort of has sort of on many many different levels really sort of helps you physically and mentally and I I don't think we really fully understand how or why we we can we can sort of explain why things happen and of course you know don't get me wrong you know I love the fact that you know getting your hands in the soil releases dopamine and serotonin, which is the happy side of things, and you know that that does of course make me feel better. Yeah, I think I mean, but it does tie me. It does tie me at the same time, um, but ties me in a good way uh, because I know that if I hadn't have done that, I would probably just have sat in the chair, probably at my desk or doing something else, and uh, in a one position and probably not have moved several hours um whereas at least gardening still keeps me a bit more sort of loose and free i suppose do you sleep better oh, i sleep very well anyway but um <laughs> i'm glad y- to hear yeah, it <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i suppose so yeah i suppose so. i mean definitely fresh air fresh air definitely helps me sleep uh, it makes me very snoozy 
you know, you see a lot of things going on with gardening and with mobility. Do you think more people are becoming encouraged to go out there? Is there a bigger awareness? Um, I, th- I think so. I think there's there's still quite a lot that could be done. Um, I think that disability needs to be thought of as part of the mainstream rather than just as an add-on. Um, and uh, I think, you know, all broadcasters are guilty of this, and I think a lot of the press are as well. And I think that, you know, we it, people just need to... I mean, because the more people see a disabled person, you know, for me, for example, on TV with Gardeners World, the more people see it, the more people get used to it, the more people can talk about it, the more people don't worry about it. I think that um, more could be done from uh, probably from, I don't know, maybe charities, maybe from the RHS, maybe working together um, and pulling ideas together and actually consulting disabled people. Because a lot of the time, you know, and, you know, it's not just the horticultural world that does this, you know, a lot of the time decisions are made without actually consulting disabled people and they think that that's the right way of doing things when actually, no, it's not. Um, so, you know, that needs to be done. I think, um, you know, horticulture is huge. You know, horticulture and gardening is such a broad spectrum of jobs that you can do, you know, including the perfume industry and including, you know, nurseries and God knows what else. Um, so, you know, don't think to yourself, gosh, you know, if I want to get into that field, it means I've got to be digging holes all the time. Um, because there are so many different things. You know, why not you could go into the science of plants? You could go into any, absolutely anything. Um, so uh, I think, again, you know, employees need to think a little bit more and not be so restrictive as well. And that's tricky. I know it's tricky. And I know that it's um, it's a... It's a difficult balance because obviously sometimes employees want certain things out of employee of employees. Um, but if the employer just thinks about it and maybe thinks, well, actually, there's no reason why someone in a wheelchair couldn't do that, or someone with uh, a mental health issue couldn't do that. Um, all we need to do is maybe adjust something slightly or get in a bit of equipment. It's interesting that you've come on to this because you and I, we both garden for pleasure. We both garden professionally, you know, and I've been talking to some of the big gardens and I don't know if you'd be surprised to hear it's about one to two percent of the horticultural employees that that identify as disabled. They did bring up the concept, though, that not everybody wants to reveal that and they, they don't need to. I mean, how do you feel? Do you think it would be more helpful if people were open about it. I mean, it's someone's business. Do you know what I mean? What's it, your feeling on that? Yeah, I mean, it's as tricky as again. It's that, that's a fine balance. I mean, I th- I think, um, and again, it's not just in horticulture, but I think disabled people do need to speak up, really, because I think it's not until you actually start talking to someone with a disability that you then actually really understand the requirements, and if someone doesn't sort of say that you know they've got Asperger's or they've got dyslexia or they're physically disabled in some way um, but they carry on doing the job and then I don't know the employer might think well they're maybe a bit slower with doing this or they might not be doing that in the right way why are they doing why is that you know tell tell your employer speak up let them know about it 
Um, and of course, you know, don't get me wrong, there are also wonderful charities out there who are promoting the sort of education and um, the whole idea that people can go into agriculture and horticulture and conservation. Um, I think, it, what is it? It's the CLA Charitable Trust, for example. They do that. And Gardening for the Disabled Trust is another one that does exactly the same thing. And I think that, you know, there are there are sources out there. And I think that if people spoke up a little bit more and people become more educated about what people can physically or mentally do when it comes to gardening or agriculture or whatever it might be, um, that actually, you know, no, why not? You know, the jobs, the job spec could be, inclu- could be fully inclusive. And I think that's where we need to get to, you know, Every, every job should be fully inclusive. Because um, that was a career change for you, wasn't it? You you moved into gardening after the accident. So it certainly wasn't something that stopped you, you know, being no, able to do it, did it? No, exactly. Although, you know, you know, 20 odd years ago when I was going around the colleges, um, there was very, very lack of um, accessibility. And, uh, you know, even to the point that there weren't ramps up to the path, you know, up to the pathways, um, the greenhouse doorways were too narrow. Um, you know, so even back then it was quite tricky. But I think, you know, people are, people have realised that over the, over the last 20 odd years, people have it's slowly changing and as people are slowly adapting. Um, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think the whole industry, really, the whole industry need to talk to each other. And that includes the gardeners or whoever, you know, whoever was working in the industry. They all need to just sort of talk a bit more freely. Um, And then that way, hopefully, we can all enjoy it. Any last words of encouragement for anyone wanting to go outside into their garden or someone (laughs) Uh, else's? (laughs) Yeah, I would say um, just sort of, just remember that gardening can be a solitary activity, but it can also be a community activity. And, you know, get out of it as much as you possibly can, but don't overdo things. Um, Just take it easy and just enjoy yourself and just enjoy being outside and be surrounded by nature. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. And you can find out more about the themes we've covered today at gardenersworld.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Acast to never miss an episode. See you next time.